I'm Franco Terrazano. And I'm Renaud Broussard. And you're listening to the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. In Deep Dive, we'll have our federal director, Aaron Woodrick, on the show to tell us about a not-so-great April Fool's Day for taxpayers, where our federal politicians were essentially saying, pay hikes for me, tax hikes for thee. And in Waste Watch, we're going to be talking about how the feds are wasting your money to pay social media influencers to praise the federal government. Yeah, so you're going to want to stick around for that one. But first, we've got some good news for you on the balanced budget front. And Renaud, why don't you tell our listeners about what is going on in Nova Scotia? Thanks, Franco. You, you know, we don't get a whole lot of good news these days, but Nova Scotia taxpayers truly had something to celebrate last week when their government tabled its first budget. Uh, the government of Nova Scotia expects to get rid of its deficit within, get this, the next four years. You know, four years balanced budget plan, it might not seem like much to celebrate, but when we compare that with the uh, shenanigans going on in the rest of the country, <laughs> four years is actually kind of sounding like a reasonable horizon to get back to balance. Oh, it, it really is. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Nova Scotia budget, they also happen to be Quebec budget day. Uh, so on the one hand, we've got Nova Scotia saying it's going to get back to balance within four years. Then you've got Quebec saying that it's not even going to try to think about balance before the next two years and then take a total of seven years to get back to balance. Or you've got Ontario saying it's going to take nine years. Or or you've got Alberta where our Premier Jason Kenney doesn't even have a plan to get back to balance. So yeah, okay, we're, we're grading on a bit of a curve here, but Nova Scotia... <laughs> <laughs> but Nova Scotia's plan, uh, four-year plan, is is pretty fast, I guess. So, Renaud, how are they achieving this amazing feat? You know, are they gutting every single government service? Are they privatizing every conceivable thing? Not even. And, and, and that's the magic of it. The government's approach is pretty simple, really. What it does is that it looks at its expected growth in revenue based on the economic recovery, and they just made sure that spending would increase as fast. Wow. It's almost like magic. Wow, mind-blowing. And, and of course, the other thing he did is that he made sure that all of that temporary pandemic spending would remain just that, temporary spending. So due to the impact of the pandemic, uh, spending went up about half a billion dollars this year in Nova Scotia. Uh, as the economy recovers, uh, what the government is going to be doing is progressively getting rid of that temporary increase. It's going to use those savings to pay for the natural increase in spending it would normally have. Uh, you know, it's Government spending does increase a bit from year to year because of inflation and aging population. So as a result, revenue is projected to grow by 9% in the next four years, uh, thanks to economic activity. So no, no tax hikes. Uh, and spending, on the other hand, is only going to grow by 2% uh, because, of course, they're, they're taking from the, the current record highs uh, of pandemic level spending. You know, I got to be clear right now, because of course, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is is really putting pressure on all governments to reduce wasteful spending, like especially in Alberta, where we have these massive big spending problem, a lot of places where the government should be cutting and finding savings. But Renault, what you're telling me, it doesn't really sound like there's really many cuts or really privatization, or doesn't really sound like there's mass layoffs of half their bureaucracy. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it, it's not even the case. Actually, if, if they looked at all the ways that could be cut, uh, take the money-losing Yarmouth Ferry, for instance, that's been nominated for God knows how many teddies, uh, they could actually achieve this, uh, this feat of getting back the balance much faster. 
Yeah, you know, our prime, our premiers and uh, finance ministers, they try to make it look like achieving a balanced budget is this really complex thing, you know, like playing 4D chess. But I think Nova Scotia has just shown that, you know, the reality is much different than that. Um, <laughs> we're seeing these long winding roads to balance laid out in Quebec and Ontario, or, you know, in a, a lack of a road to balance here in Alberta. Um, and it just goes to show that these premiers and finance ministers in these provinces are really not even trying. And I especially mean that in Alberta, you know, not only does Kenny not have a plan to balance, but his United Conservatives this year are going to be outspending the big spending NDP in their final year in 2018, even after accounting for inflation and population growth. You know what that tells me is that there's a clear lack of effort to find savings. You got that right. And unfortunately, those who are going to be paying for the bills for all of this are all the future generations of Canadians that are going to be stuck with uh, this massive debt. Well, Reno, uh, thanks for bringing this to our attention. And, you know, I never thought I was going to actually say this, but hopefully other provinces can follow Nova Scotia's lead and get their budgets back in the black. It's time for Deep Dive. This is the part of the show that takes a closer look into important issues for taxpayers. Now, April Fool's Day is usually a fun day for normal people. There's some pretty good jokes. We can all have a good laugh just before lunchtime. But when it comes to politicians, the joke's on us. And of course, the pandemic is making all of this joking around a lot harder. But what's even worse is for some reason, April 1st is a bad news day for taxpayers. So I'm here with our perennial bearer of bad news, our federal director, Aaron Woodrick, who's going to tell us why on April Fool's the joke's on taxpayers. Woody, what's going on? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Chris, because I don't know if someone in Ottawa just has a really dark sense of humor, but April 1st, April Fool's Day is indeed the day when we see a number of unfunny things come down the pipe for taxpayers. So maybe we can start first by talking about the escalator tax. Okay, every time I hear this term, it's actually confusing to me. So do we have a tax on escalators? Because if so, uh, at least they won't tax anything else. Well, it's uh, it's not a tax on escalators. Right. That would actually be okay because most of us don't own escalators, so we wouldn't have to pay that tax. But what the escalator tax is, it's an automatically rising tax. That's the escalator part. And it applies to beer, wine, and spirits, so all alcoholic beverages. And the thing that's so problematic about this tax is its automatic nature. So normally when politicians want to raise your taxes, they at least have to have the guts to stand up, have a vote in parliament or in the provincial legislature. But this automatic tax, it's just a formula that increases the federal excise tax on alcohol, and it does it automatically. So there's no vote, there's no fanfare, nobody's really held accountable. And really, we think that sets a pretty terrible precedent. And that's a really important point here, because whenever I raise this issue, you'll hear from some, I would like to say, well-meaning folks who say, oh, well, it's just on booze and on wine. Quit drinking so much. You don't need to worry about the tax. But if politicians catch wind of this and they realize what they, they can get away with when it comes to taxes, who knows what kind of taxes they'll try to put through with an escalator on it next time? Well, that's exactly the fear. You know, really, one of the only protections that taxpayers have against endless tax hikes is that politicians uh, know they're unpopular and they don't want to they don't want to have to face the music. Uh, you know, so if they don't want to take that negative press and that heat, they're less likely to do it. So, you know, sliding a formula into the legislation one time and then just sitting back and letting it rise forever quietly, is, it's just really a huge end run around transparency and accountability. 
Bingo. Okay. So you've already explained how it's going to be more expensive for us to even drown our sorrows. Uh, but what other taxes are going up? Well, there's the much hated federal carbon tax. That one goes up uh, April 1st every year. Uh, right now, it's now it's $40 a ton, uh, which works out to about $7 in tax uh, to fill up a minivan. Uh, it's a bit like the proverbial boiling of the frog, where the water just slowly keeps getting warmer and warmer until you get boiled alive. And I got to tell you, the water is getting pretty hot in the pot right now. Yeah, no kidding. Out here in BC, unfortunately, the carbon tax also went up April 1st. And this is after the Horgan government at least had the decency last year to hit pause on it. But now we're right back into the increases. And, you know, obviously, it's a terrible time to increase taxes. Even the prime minister and finance minister said that repeatedly last summer. Uh, and yet now here we are with several different tax increases on the docket. Um, you know, one other fact I want to mention about the carbon tax there's a recent survey that was conducted by our friends over at the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. They found that 75% of farmers said that the carbon tax hike would have a significant negative impact on their business. Ouch. Farmers. Farmers. That is a really unfunny way to say thanks for keeping us all fed during the pandemic, man. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And it, I think it really goes to show how little this federal government pays attention to certain industries that don't fit their self-image of being flashy and new. You know, Canada has a lot of strength in agriculture, and indeed, it's actually becoming a more sophisticated, te technologically sophisticated industry every day. Uh, but when was the last time you heard a federal minister crowing about Canada as an agriculture powerhouse? Instead, all we seem to get is more corporate welfare for money losing aerospace or green tech projects and uh, agriculture. They get walloped with higher taxes. Exactly. Uh, here in BC, it's even more so it's getting depressing because we've got the carbon tax. And now they're actually putting through the so-called Netflix tax. So anything that is streaming originating from outside of Canada, you're going to get a 7% PST. And for the first time ever, we have a PST on sweetened drinks that they're expecting to take in more than $30 million from us every year. So lots of new taxes coming into play April 1st. But it's getting depressing at this point. Um, so tell me, no more tax hikes? Don't, don't have any more up your sleeve here? Yeah, the last, uh, last cruel joke on taxpayers isn't a tax hike, but okay. it does involve somebody making more money. Uh, and that is our members of parliament who actually got a salary hike on April 1st. <laughs> this is too much. Okay, so you're telling me the politicians who are already making 180 grand a year, those guys, they got a pay hike? They did. And it's the second time since the pandemic hit, believe it or not. It's a, one of those another automatic increase that's buried in the legislation. And, you know, last year we cut them some slack as they said, oh, we don't have time to cancel it because it was coming just a couple of weeks after the pandemic hit. Parliament wasn't sitting. So we kind of compromised. We asked members of parliament to donate their pay hike. And to their credit, more than 200 of them agreed to do that. So that was good. But, you know, th th this excuse doesn't cut it this year. They've had a whole year to freeze it. Uh, they haven't done that. Now they're getting around 3000 bucks a year more now. And since the prime minister gets double the regular MP salary, he's making 6000 bucks a year more right now. Oh, this just gross. You know, when you ask around, uh, most people have had their salary slashed over the last year. They're just barely hanging on to their small businesses. Uh, I know people personally who've lost their jobs. And so while this is happening to millions of regular Canadians, uh, MPs, they get a pay hike. This is tone deaf, man. It's insanely tone deaf. And you know, other politicians around the world have not been as tone deaf. There's some in countries like New Zealand, India, Japan. Uh, politicians there, they took pay cuts because they realized how bad it looked. 
Um, that's true as well in Canada uh, as some of some municipal politicians who've taken pay cuts. Uh, but it's really astonishing that there's no leadership on this at the federal level. Uh, the good news is there, there are ways to roll these things back. Uh, and so we're working on some strategies to maybe see if we can uh, get that pay hike rolled back this year. It is outrageous and it makes everybody mad, but we here at the CTF like to give you a silver lining and there is hope that we can see these things rolled back. So stay tuned. It's time for Waste Watch. This is a part of the show where it makes fun of the dumb things the governments are doing with your money. Not the debatable things. We can have some good policy debates on some stuff, but this is the just straight dumb stuff. And we got our new guy here, our no interim Ontario director, Jay Goldberg. He's here to talk about the government wants to blow some uh, some money on social media influencers. I don't know if many of you are laying awake at night thinking, man, I hope we're investing in social media influencers. I, I don't, I'm not sure that that's where taxpayers are at, but you probably need to know what's going on. So Jay, what have you found out? Well, of course, over time, we've certainly learned that governments aren't very good at learning things. And I think we have another excellent example to explore this week. So back in 2019, Elections Canada paid 13 quote unquote social media influencers a grand total of $325,000 to convince Canadians to vote. But the plan had to be scrapped at the last minute because too many of these influencers had direct or indirect ties to the Liberal Party of Canada. So this means that each of those social media influencers got 25 grand to do absolutely nothing. And in total, we wasted $325,000. We didn't get a single tweet. We had to scrap the whole program. That was so bizarre. This is one of those ones where I'm not sure it would have been more or less of a waste if we'd have gotten what we paid for. Like is 25 grand for nothing better or worse than 25 grand for a tweet? I, I don't know. It's almost a toss up. It's so dumb either way. But if we're talking about governments being slow learners, I'm going to go on a limb and say this wasn't the last time this happened. We've got another one. What's, what's going on this time? Well, Health Canada apparently doesn't talk to Elections Canada because they're planning to use the same failed approach a second time. They've actually put out a tender to hire social media influencers to try to promote their initiatives. Apparently, Justin Trudeau seems to think that we're more likely to listen to our favorite Instagram celebrities than to our doctors. Essentially, the government seems to think that they're going to try to reach people who may not be paying very close attention to the news. But I mean, honestly, is there anyone in Canada right now who doesn't know that we're supposed to be taking COVID-19 precautions seriously? And as we saw in the Elections Canada fiasco, there's just so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, it's amazing how many things can go wrong on a, on a plan like this or like a lack of a plan like this. In fact, I think, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. We gave out a Teddy Waste Award for something dumb like this. Take us back to that story. Oh, this is a real gem. So uh, the Yukon Tourism Department, we nominated them for a Provincial Teddy Waste Award. They spent $139,000 on a campaign to get social media influencers to pan for gold in a river. One of the influencers that the Yukon government hired actually got more likes on social media for a vegetarian dinner she ate in the state of Wisconsin than for her post on Yukon tourism. So of course that sounds like excellent money spent. 
that that whole story was just bizarre because they actually bought the gold to put in the river for the influencers to pan back out again. And then I remember seeing the picture. It was just like a picture of a plate with a pretty mediocre meal on it that got more likes than the picture of the panning for gold after they spent all this money. Okay, so they've got governments have gotten burned on this stuff. You'd think surely to goodness they're going to learn their lesson. But what in the world? It sounds like they're going for it again. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, apparently they're going for it again. Okay, so what does it look like this time? Like how much is it going to cost us this time? So we have a bit of an idea. The government, um, their policy is that these social media influencers, they're not going to have to disclose how much they're being paid. Now, of course, we're determined to make sure that the government's wrong on that and that we do have to get the numbers. And we know that if the government's going to pay some social media influencers, James Wood, our investigative journalist, well, he's going to get down to it. In the meantime, the tender notice is open until April 9th, and the government has included some sample bids. This ranges from $45,000 to $55,000, which is, of course, more than many Canadian taxpayers make in an entire year. And the policies say that none of these numbers have to actually be disclosed. Yeah, you know, like this, this kind of thing, when they say they're not going to disclose it, that always blows my mind. Clearly, they haven't met James Wood, because if they knew the Jimbo I know, they wouldn't even try to hide this stuff because he's going to dig it up. That's what's going to happen. But get more into the rationale of this project. Like, is this is this uh, people you know picture putting up pictures like showing how they're happily getting vaccines and uh, you should get one too and and promoting that kind of thing? Is this what they're doing or what is it they're doing with this campaign? Well, unfortunately, it's not just concentrated to COVID. It looks like the government's going to be trying to do this for years. They've got plans to hire influencers to look at a whole bunch of topics like maintaining healthy homes, informing Canadians about the seasonal flu, trying to get Canadians to quit smoking, and of course, how to deal with dementia. So this is going to be around long past the coronavirus. This is more than just the next few months. This could be years of this program. Yeah. And, you know, like all of those are important topics, obviously, uh, you know, people need to stop smoking and uh, dementia is a tough issue, but is Instagram really the solution? Is that really the way to fix these things? I Color me skeptical, I guess. It really sounds like uh, trying to fix these actual honest to goodness problems with Twitter and Instagram is probably a bit of a long shot. Well, Todd, maybe you're looking at this a bit wrong. We know that you do have some followers on Twitter. Why aren't you going to apply? Yeah, there we go. I should should get my application in right away. Hey, listen, Jay, I know that you're the new guy here, but there's a couple of good reasons I'm not going to be applying for this thing. First of all, I think I've ticked off just about every politician out there. So I don't think uh, I'm going to get any contracts like this. And secondly, our supporters would take me out to the woodshed if I did something like that. They would beat me good. So no, I'm not going to be applying for this one. This one's a, uh, a big old waste of time and money. And uh, our good buddy, James Wood, I've got a feeling by the time this even hits the air, he'll have filed a few dozen uh, access to information requests. We'll get all the way to the bottom of this. All right, that's the show. But before we let you go, we do have some fan mail we want to read. Well, Franco, I I got a bit of a surprise last week uh, when my local sports columnist uh, decided to look up my personal Facebook and 
started calling me out and stuff because I'm, I said that uh, maybe uh, we shouldn't put public money in, in bringing back the Montreal Expos. He just went off on it saying that we need to know exactly what are the details of the deal before we actually decide uh, to be against it. Now, here's the thing. The economics are pretty clear. There's no benefits for taxpayers in paying for that wealthy sports team owners uh, can get a nice new stadium at everybody else's expense. This is pretty much the economic equivalent of getting hit in the nuts. I don't know. I don't need to know how I'm going to get hit in the nuts to know I won't like it. <laughs> I love that. You know, I am going to use that. You know, I got a little bit of a fan mail too over the last little while in Alberta. Oh, really? Yeah, in Alberta, we won a huge huge win with recall legislation and you know i throw a tweet talking about this and immediately some twitter troll said well can we finally recall the ctf (laughs) (laughs) touche twitter troll touche and you know on that note we're gonna let you go but before you end with us here please do like share and subscribe it really helps us get the message out to more taxpayers and we have to give a huge shout out to our investigative journalists and podcast editor james wood for making it sound like we know what we're talking about hi i'm scott hennig president of the canadian taxpayers federation If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.